Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and open together, please, the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter number 1. Uh, we've, just a couple weeks ago, uh, at the beginning, the very beginning of the year, we began our series here uh, in the book of 2 Peter, of course. Uh, it was written, uh, believed to have been written, right after uh, Peter had written his first epistle. In 1 Peter, we find that the, the apostle is writing to a suffering people. Uh, who are being persecuted, who are being martyred for their faith. And now Peter shifts uh, to, uh, uh, writes another book. This is, again, believed to have been written right after 1 Peter, but it's written uh, really around Peter's life. Uh, as he looks forward to the future, he understands that in the very present time in which he's writing, his own life is in danger of being taken from him. As a matter of fact, we'll read even this morning how the Lord had revealed to him that he would soon die. And so it's in this setting that, that Peter writes this particular book. And it's a book that the undertones of, of 2 Peter are, are wonderful. Uh, the, the, there's undertones of hope. Aren't you glad that you can have hope today? Yeah. Even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of peril and uncertainty, even when consider the apostle. His life was in jeopardy. He would soon die. He would be crucified upside down uh, for his faith, in, uh, his faith in Christ and, the, and his labor for the Lord. Crucified upside down. He still had hope. And, and nothing was going to deter him from living for Christ uh, from, from there, from now until then. And may that be our determination in our own hearts uh, but the, the book of first, uh, Second Peter, is, it's a great book. Uh, it's one of, uh, I mentioned first Peter, uh, Second Peter chapter 1. I've got to get in the habit of saying Second Peter uh, as opposed to First Peter. But Second Peter chapter number 1 truly is one of my favorite chapters in all of God's Word. I remember uh, one of the first messages I had ever preached was from this particular uh, chapter of God's Word. I, I feel so terribly bad for the people who had to listen to that and had to endure it. I even feel bad for you have to listen to me this morning. Uh, but, but truly, we're thankful for the power of God. And we may make statements, well, this is my favorite chapter, one of my favorite books of the Bible. But understand, we are not in any way uh, undermining the value of God's Word as a whole. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We're glad we have all of God's Word. Aren't you thankful for the Bible today? God's Word truly does change lives. And we're thankful for the hope that it gives uh, to, us, uh, to us people who don't deserve hope. Uh, we don't deserve salvation. Uh, I'm, I'm a wicked sinner. Uh, you may think I'm a good person, and that's because I'm, I'm deceitful, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm just, I just tricked you into believing that. Uh, but, you know, all of us together, are, we're all the same. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And our sin, our transgression of God's law, makes us sinners. And, and you know what I deserve? I, I deserve the wrath of God. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. I deserve to die in my sin and pay the penalty for my sin, which is death and hell. But God loves us. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch 
his treasure. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful God we serve. And as Peter writes, as he begins this letter, just want to re, by way of review, uh, he, he reminds us of some very precious things. As a matter of fact, he calls them precious promises in, in chapter 1 and verse number, uh, verse number 3. The Bible says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so we understand that God, uh, at, through, through the person of Jesus Christ, uh, God the Son, the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, who, who came to earth, died in our place, paid for our sins, rose in victory from the grave. He's alive forevermore. The apostles watched him ascend back to heaven, where he is currently seated at the right hand of the Father, where he will soon return and receive his church unto himself. He's coming again. And we're thankful for that. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But he is also, at the moment of salvation, he has provided us everything that we need to live our lives for him. You can live a life that glorifies God today, not because of anything you are or have or possess, but because of who you know. You know the Lord. And he enables us through the indwelling of his spirit who seals us at the moment of salvation. We have as much of God as we're ever going to have. He seals us and he enables us to obey him, to glorify him. And what we must learn to do is walk with Him and rely upon Him as we spend time in prayer and God's Word, being very sensitive to what God's will is for our lives. But as we come to the Word of God today, we're reminded of these things. Literally, these things. If you read here, I want you to take note of something, and then, we'll, then we'll, we'll, we will uh, read the passage together this morning. But in verse number 8 of chapter number 1, there's a mention of these things. These things, it's, it's mention of the list that, that was provided in verses 5, 6, and 7. It's talking about our, our growth in the Lord, uh, our desire to, to be like Christ, and, and how the Lord builds these characteristics in our hearts, in our lives, as we live for Him, as we spend time with Him, as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Note the words, these things, in verse number 8. Again, in verse number 9, the Bible says, But he that lacketh these things, notice that, that statement again, these things. And again, in verse number 10, the Bible says, uh, if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. These things. But in verses uh, 12 and verse, in verse number 15, we see that statement again. And so the, the, the message that will be preached today is a continuation of this very thought surrounding these things, our desire to grow in the Lord, to remain faithful, to remain consistent with Jesus Christ. Again, in verse 12, it says, the, uh, uh, to put you always in remembrance of these things. Note that statement, these things. In verse number 15, the Bible says, uh, to have these things always in remembrance. You know, sometimes I'm really hard-headed. Uh, yeah, that might surprise you. I'm very stubborn. I'm very hard to learn. But they say that repetition is the key to learning. And five times here, God repeats the statement, these things. And the influence these things are to have in our lives is quite profound. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning as we read together here in God's Word. We're going to begin reading in verse number 12. 
And we'll read down through verse number 15. Notice together what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God today. Lord, we're thankful for your love, your care, uh, your kindness. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for your mercies, which are new every morning. Uh, Lord, we're thankful that you have given us your Word, these exceeding great and precious promises. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us familiarize ourselves with these things, that we would truly take them to heart and apply them to our lives. And Lord, as we look here in the pages of Scripture, Lord, we ask that you'd open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from your law, that you would transform us. Lord, the world is, is seeking to, to conform us, but, but you would rather transform us. The Bible says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And no doubt today, Father, we're going to look in the Word of God and we're going to see your will for us. And so we pray that you would help us align our hearts with your purpose and that we would embrace these things and apply them properly to our lives. And Lord, again, if there's anyone here today uh, who doesn't know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, we ask that today they would make that decision, that they would repent of their sin and by faith trust only in Jesus. But Lord, we pray for your blessing today. Help us, we ask. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned just a moment ago, we find that these few verses of Scripture are a continuation of the same passage that, that we began a couple weeks ago. Uh, again, reference to these things. But this morning we see what our response ought to be to these things. Uh, I want to live my life. I want God to use my life for His glory. I don't want to squander my life. We, we've been in our Sunday school hour looking at the, the, at the biblical truth of what stewardship actually is. So oftentimes when we think of the word stewardship, we cringe a little bit because automatically we presume that we're speaking about money and being good stewards of, of our financial resources. But, but truly stewardship goes much deeper and is much more extensive than just that of, of money. Uh, old, the, uh, there's, a, there's an old adage that says only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Uh, Psalm 90 tells us that, that uh, the days of our years are threescore years and ten, if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, seventy or eighty years, it's all that we truly have to live here on this earth. Some people uh, have, have exceeded that. I, pr I hope I do, because I want to be alive when the Lord returns. Um, you know, I want to exceed that. I don't want there to be an, a, an idle day in my life. I don't want there to ever be a time in my life where uh, my life doesn't count for Jesus. I want to be a good steward with what God has given me. I want to be a good steward not just of my life, but I want to be a good steward of the salvation that God has entrusted to me. Aren't you thankful for the salvation that God has gifted you with? 
The Bible says it is a gift. You can't work to earn it. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The Bible says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the life that God has given you really begins at salvation. You don't know how to live until, or you don't know what living is until you come to know Christ as your Savior. Jesus said that He came to give us life, and life more abundantly. We're thankful for the abundant life that God has given. And truly, salvation is the great chief gift that, that God desires for all men to know who would have all men to be saved and come under the knowledge of the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says, No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. So we understand that God has given us this, this salvation, and, and we are to be good stewards of this salvation. These things God has given to us. And my prayer is that God would help me in my response to these things. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to one word that is used three times. Again, uh, repetition is the key to learning, and God knows how hard-headed I am, so no offense, I assume that we're all hard-headed here because God's word isn't just for me, it's for you too. Okay? And so God is reminding us of, of our, what our response to our salvation ought to be. There's a word mentioned, it's, it's the word remembrance. Would you notice it? It's in verse number 12. Would you note that in your Bible, remembrance? Again, we read the same word at the end of verse number 13, the word remembrance. In verse number 15, it says at the end of verse 15, remembrance. What does it mean? What does this remembrance actually mean? As defined by Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the word remembrance means this. It is the retaining or having in mind an idea which had been present before. Let me read that again. Uh, it's the, the retaining or having in mind an idea which had been present before. So what, what, is, what Peter is calling us to is something that we were established in before. Something that we knew that we had in our minds, but, but through the busyness, the, the, the chaos of life, the, the turmoil, the strife, uh, the battles of life, sometimes this understanding waxes faint in our memories. We know it. I know that, that my sins have been forgiven. I know that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior, that if I were to die today, that I would go to heaven. Well, not because of anything I have done, but because of the work that Christ has done on my part upon, and your part. The Bible says that, that He is the propitiation uh, of our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2. The Bible says then that, that the word propitiation means that He is the atoning work. Uh, he is the one, He is the vehicle through which God has turned away His wrath. You and I are spared from the wrath of God because of the, the, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Bible says that He became sin for us 
who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we see here that, that God uh, has turned away his wrath from us because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and what a great joy that is. And you know what? I've known that my whole life. I was saved at a, at a young age, January 7th, 1989. I repented of my sin, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I, you know how old I was? I was four years old. Do the math, right? Four years old. I'll tell you how old I am today, right? But I've known that. I've known it! But there have been times in my life where I've not lived it. There have been times in my life where, uh, where, my, where my understanding, my faith, has been disconnected from the practicality of my life. And what Peter is doing now, it, in the closing days or hours of his life, in the sunset of his life, he is calling us to remembrance. He says, remember this, this, this thing that was, this idea that was, that was present before. Let's get back to it. Do you know what this truly is? I want, I want you to write this word down in connection with the word remembrance. This is what it means. I'm going to spell it out in my mind. R-E-V-I-V-A-L. Revival. He's, this is a call to revival. It is a call to a renewed sense of obedience to the things of God, the things of God's Word in your life. It's a call to revival. Now here's the question, do you really want revival? Is revival possible? I hear, I hear preachers that, well, uh, you know, revival's really not for us. Whatever. I believe the Bible makes a clear case that it is. You know, you read the, the, the first uh, three chapters of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, and he, as he speaks to the seven churches, he's, this is a call to revival. A call to, to be obedient to the things of God, the things of God's Word. It's a call to please the Lord. It's a call to, to obey. It's a call to obedience. And Christians, will you then be obedient to the things of God? There are so many things vying for you. Do you realize that there's a war for you? From the very dawn of, t of, of time, there's been a battle for your heart. In Genesis chapter 3, we read the of the fall of man, how Satan, through that serpent, uh, deceived, beguiled the woman and Adam, and they, they, eat, they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We see how sin entered into, the, into all mankind from that moment. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. There has been a battle for you. Why are you so important? You are important. You are loved of God. Why? Because you are His image. Amen. You are the image of God. God loves you. For God so loved the world. We sing of His love. God is battling and He won the battle. Yes, 
He is the victor. Yes, he is. It is finished. Yes. He cried from the cross. They took his lifeless body down from that old rugged cross and placed it in a, in a tomb that did not even belong to him. He was just borrowing it. He didn't need it forever. Because three days later, he rose in victory from, from the dead. He's alive forevermore. The devil thought that he had defeated the seed of the woman. He thought that he, had, that he had killed the Messiah, but he was badly mistaken. Jesus is the victor. And he promises you victory. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But faith is much more than just that. It's looking unto Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. The author and finisher of our faith. Christians, what God is calling us to do is obey Him, to lift our eyes upon Him. There's a battle that is being waged for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But there's hope. Because of Jesus Christ. And you can know him. And you can have victory today. You can have hope for eternity. You can live a life that truly honors and glorifies your Creator. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, this whole matter being life. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. God desires that we know Him, that we love Him, that we serve Him. Remembrance! Calls us to remembrance. Calls to revival. And as we consider this this morning, this call to revival, we see three simple lessons that, that we, that, uh, in this particular chapter in 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice the first lesson is this. I really want you to write these down. I hope everybody has something to, to take notes with. The first lesson is this. It is to simply be established. Be established. Look what the Bible says in verse number 12. He says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance. Negligent. Irresponsible, lighthearted, uh, unsober, careless. He's, he's not negligent. He is very purposed in what God has given him to do. What is this, uh, this, this earnest desire that Peter has? The Bible says uh, to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and notice, be established in what? In the present truth. Be established. I want you to mark that statement in your Bible. Be established in the present truth. Notice the adjective surrounding the word truth. Of course, there's the, the preposition in. Uh, it is something that, that God has called you into, this relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a present possession. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a personal relationship. But notice the truth. What is truth? That's a great question, isn't it? People have written books 
on truth. People have asked that, that same question all down through the ages. Uh, Plato, Aristotle, what is truth? Even Pontius Pilate, as he, uh, as he falsely tried our Savior, asked the same question, what is truth? The Bible tells us in John chapter 17 and verse 17, it says, as Jesus prays for you and me in the garden of Gethsemane the night he was betrayed, he prayed for you saying, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And I'm here to tell you that God's word is not former. God's word is not former. God's word is not future. God's word is present. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's word is eternal. True. God's word is eternal. This is present truth. It's not truth that you once had. There are some who would say, well, we used to have God's word. False. Some people say, well, we one day might have God's word. False. You and I have God's word now. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's given by inspiration of God. It is inspired. Therefore, it is inerrant. It is infallible. It is eternal. It's been preserved for you. The Bible tells us that the, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver, tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. I am glad that I have all of God's word. Jesus said not one jot or tittle would pass from the law till all be fulfilled. We have this present truth. And what God has called us to be is established in it. Are you established in the truth? You know what? So oftentimes we forget or we fail to live our lives for the Lord simply because you and I are not established in the present truth. Are you established in the present truth? How can one become established in the present truth? We must learn the Word of God. We must read the Word of God. We must memorize the Word of God. We must meditate upon the Word of God. We must become so much a part of God's Word in our lives. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Christians, do you want to become established in the present truth? The word established, really, it means to be rooted and grounded. It means to be settled. Have you settled it? Are you settled upon the Word of God? Look at what the Word of God says in Psalm, Psalm 1 this morning. Turn back with me quickly, please, to Psalm number 1. The psalmist writes and. He describes the Christian's relationship with God's Word and the great blessing that God's Word affords. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor, see, uh, nor sitteth in, uh, in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And we used to live out west in southern Nevada, and uh, there would be times when we were out driving around or just out going door to door, and, and uh, there's tumbleweeds. How many of you have ever seen a tumbleweed? It's kind of an interesting thing. It's just a ball of grass that's alive, but that tumbles. It's driven by the wind. Why is it moved? Why does it move with the winds? Because it's not rooted. It's a tumbleweed because there's no root. Here's the quote of the day. Don't be a tumbleweed. Right? You've got to know the context to understand it. But don't be a tumbleweed. Be rooted and grounded. Be established in the present truth. Be established. Notice the second lesson that we learn Back in 2 Peter chapter number 1, it's this. Let me get there. The Bible says in verse number, thir- in verse number 13 and 14, it says, Yeah, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, taber- this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. I want you to note the, the statement in verse number 13, to stir you up, by putting you in remembrance. And it's this. Our, our response to remembering, our response to revival requires that we take a stand. Take a stand. Be established. Take a stand. What does it mean to take a stand? What does it mean uh, to, to be stirred up by way of remembrance? It means to wake fully. This morning I had to take a stand. The alarm went off. I didn't want to. Just to be honest, my bed was cozy this morning. See, my wife has a terrible habit of turning the, 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 the heat down in the house to like 61 degrees at night. So when you get out, when you throw those covers, I was like, ah, bring those back. And I don't want to do this. It's invigorating, though. Woo, here we go. Time to get up. Right? But it means to rouse fully. It means to get up. It means to collect one's faculties and rise up. You know, in the morning, you know, you're kind of you're kind of groggy when you wake up in the morning. You know, you're still a little sleepy, and you gotta go drink that glass of water. You need to drink a cup of water every morning to wake up uh, your Digestive system. True story. Scientific. There you go. But you need that coffee, right? I need my coffee. And you limp all sluggishly, you know, into the kitchen and you get that coffee mug and 
you brew yourself a nice cup of hot joe. And you drink it. Oh, I'm revived, right? I'm awake. I've got all my faculties now. I can function. It's kind of the picture that God paints for us. Stir you up. Wake to these things. Wake up. Take a stand. Understand what's at stake. Live for Christ. Peter said, hey, my life's almost over. I will soon put off this my tabernacle. It's almost the end of the line for me. Take a stand. Because one day, it's going to be over. One day, you'll no longer be able to get up and go to church. One day, your faith will be sight. One day, you're going to put off this tabernacle, this body of flesh. One day, you won't be able to serve the Lord like this. Oh, we're going to serve the Lord, but it's not going to be like this. You ever contemplated how brief life is? Eternity, our minds cannot grasp the infinite span of, of eternity. I can barely fathom how old I am, let alone eternity. But on the timeline of eternity, our lives don't even register a blip. Have yeah. you ever looked at a timeline? You've got all these, the timeline of history and you know, the world. If you believe the Bible, it's only about 6,000 years old. You can do the math. God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Six thousand years? Young Earth. But even the length of the, the time of this earth has been brief. Think of, of Adam and all those who lived prior to the flood. They lived like almost a thousand years. Was Methuselah was what, 969 years old? Lived for almost a millennium. It's incredible. But even his life won't register on the scale of eternity. But what we do with the time God has given us can drastically change eternity and influence eternity, the souls of man. But you will never, your Christians, don't take this wrong. Your life won't matter if you don't take a stand. What good is knowing the truth if you do nothing with the truth? It's a call to revival. It's a call to be established. It's a call 
to take a stand. But notice lastly, back in 2 Peter chapter number 1, in verse number 14, the Bible says, Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me, he says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He says, I will endeavor. You know what this revival means? Our response to this remembrance, this call to revival, it means that I will never quit. I will never quit. Christian, don't quit. Don't give up. Never place yourself on the sideline. Never throw in the towel. Never give up. Never stop. Never cease. Live for God. Peter says, listen, I'm about to die. I'm about to put off this, my tabernacle. I'm going to lay this body of sin aside. I'm going to be taken to heaven. I'm going to spend... I'm going to be in the immediate presence of my Savior, but I will endeavor. Until that moment, I'm not going to quit. Until that moment, I'm not going to give up. Until that moment, I'm not going to resign. I'm not going to retreat. I'm just going to continue. I will endeavor. You know what the devil wants to do to you? He wants to sideline you. He wants you to think that in your life, that there's an expiration date on your life, even while you live. In other words, you get to the point, oh, I'm too old now, or I'm too young, I really can't do those things. And either you're not ripe, or you've expired. You ever go buy a banana? Is there ever a point when the banana's not good? I don't mind eating a, a, you know, two, um, a banana that was picked. It's still green. I don't mind eating that. What about the ones that are brown? Those make great banana bread. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, I think, well, here's another quote of the day. I'm just a banana, you know. I'm... I'm not ripe yet. I'm not in that perfect time where I can be fully enjoyed to my utmost potential. Or it's too late. You know, yesterday I could have, but man, today it's... Ugh. There's never a time. Christian, there is never a time in life when you've expired. I want to serve my Lord to the day I die. And that was Peter's endeavor. He said, hey, I'm leaving this place, but I want those that I leave behind to be established in the present truth. I want to call them to remembrance. I want, them to, I want to encourage them. I want to help them realize that, hey, listen, you can still do it. You can live for God. Your life matters. The Lord loves you. You're valuable. And you can live for God today. You can glorify God with your life. It's not too late. It's never too early. Just don't 
quit. Turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, as we look at Paul's testimony here, I'm reminded of what what he said, even in in Acts chapter 20. I want you to turn to 2 2 Timothy chapter 4. But in, in Acts chapter 20, Paul made the statement, none of these things move me. If anyone had reason to tuck tail and run, to quit, to hide, Paul. He endured so much for the cause of Christ. Things that you and I, we can't even fathom. We think, we, we think we're persecuted if somebody looks at us funny. Well, Paul was beaten. Paul was literally stoned to death at Lystra. God brought him back to life. He got up, dusted that dust off of him, and hobbled his way to the next city. Paul said, none of these things move me. I endeavor, Peter said. But listen to Paul's testimony to young Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7. The Bible says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Finish. It's coaching our boys' basketball team. Again, you got to pray for them. They won their first game yesterday. I was so proud of them. They worked so hard. Hustled, man, rebounded. They played great. They won. But I told them at practice on Tuesday night, I said, you hurt today, you're going to win on Saturday. No burn, no earn. Well, you guys tired? Yeah, we're tired. Let's run some sprints. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? The parents are just sitting there watching. <laughs> like, line up! You know, here we go. On the baseline! <laughs> you know, they're running sprints. I say, fourth quarter, and they're tired. They're dragging. I say, fourth quarter, boys! Fourth quarter! Come on! Dig! Dig! Push! Push! Give all that you can! It's the fourth quarter. Don't give up. Don't quit. Jesus is coming back. When? I don't know. Soon. He promised to do so. And that God I serve is not a liar. The Bible says this same Jesus shall come back in like manner. Have you seen him go up? Never quit. I want God to do work in my life. I want God to do work through my life. Therefore, as Peter calls me to remembrance, I will be established in the present truth. I will take a stand, and I will never quit. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed,